Hey guys, this is Drake. Thanks so much for tuning in to our City Church podcast here. It's an honor to have you. Hey, at the end of this episode, we'd love for you to take a moment, subscribe to this podcast channel if you haven't already. Also subscribe to our YouTube channel so we can continue to serve you with content that we're putting out on a weekly basis. And in addition, if we can serve you in any way or connect with you in community in any way, you can visit our website at citychurchboulder.com and we would love to connect with you there. And lastly, and most importantly, I hope this content is helpful to you. It's encouraging, it's inspiring, and you leave better than you showed up. Enjoy. Hey guys, welcome to City Church. It's an honor to have you as you're tuning in. We're starting a brand new series today entitled You're Not Far, and I'm so excited. Listen, no matter where you're tuning in on your spiritual journey, I want you to know I think this conversation is going to be helpful for us over the next couple of weeks, whether you've been following Jesus for a minute or you're a brand new follower of Jesus or maybe you're spiritually interested and you're not really sure where you land on the whole Jesus conversation or maybe you're being forced to watch against your will because someone had this on in their living room and you can't leave. But I don't care where you're tuning in. I hope this is helpful for you. And listen, there's this conversation of Jesus continually talking about what he came to do and what he came to bring was good news. And I think you and I should ask the question at times, like, was it really good news? And so I hope that you'll grab your notebook, you know, pen, paper, maybe open up that app on your, on your phone for notes and, and just kind of lean in and ask the hard questions and, and let's learn together on this journey of what this good news looked like that Jesus came to talk about. And so we're going to kick it off with a story one day. Jesus was having a conversation with some uh, religious leaders and, and it was really more than a conversation, it was really a debate and this was typical of the religious leaders of that day. They would consistently try to trip Jesus up in his words and they weren't really a big fan of him. But this particular day, there was a guy there in the group, one of the religious leaders that just seemed to be captivated by everything that Jesus was saying. Like his, his logic was mind-blowing and as he was responding, I mean, he was just like, wow, this guy is, is amazing. And so it's almost like something happens inside of him and, and he just can't help himself and he interrupts the conversation. And in Mark 12, he says, hey, teacher, wh- which command is the most important of all? It's almost like he's frustrated. He's like, oh, man, like there's so many rules in the Torah and there's, there's just so much that we have to try to balance. And, and, and you know this, like when we try to prioritize a bunch of things, nothing shows up in priority. And so this guy's like, man, like if there was a hill to die on, if there's just, you know, one thing that we should be prioritizing, what should it be? And then Jesus looks at the man and he says this. He says, the most important thing is this. And then Jesus gives an answer that everyone is expecting. And so you can imagine as Jesus gives this answer, everyone's kind of nodding their head and they expect him to answer this way. He says, Hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. And everybody's like, yeah, that's right. And then Jesus leaves script and starts to ruffle feathers. Check it out. And then he goes on and he says, and the second is this. And everybody's like, whoa, 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 second, second what? And, and so then Jesus goes on. He says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, which to me and you, that might just sound like common decency. But in this moment, to compare that with loving God was, was outrageous and, and shocking. And, and so then Jesus goes on and he says, there is no other commandment singular, even though there's two, he says this is second, not in priority, but in sequence. And this commandment singular, even though there's two, there's none greater than these. And I think in that moment, this guy, he's probably overwhelmed and excited on the inside. Then he responds and he says, whoa, you're right, Jesus. Can you imagine like how this was going? Like, Jesus, 
Good job, bro. You answered the right way. Like, no, he doesn't, this guy doesn't know who Jesus is in this moment. You have to understand, right? He just, Jesus is just a teacher in this moment. He says, man, you're right. And I think in this moment, you have to think about it, that this religious leader is probably out him, outing himself a little bit as he has this conversation. He says, you, you've truly said that God is one, and there's no other beside him. And to love him with all the heart and with all of your understanding and with all of our strength and to love one's neighbor as, as yourself, man, this is much more important than all the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices, right? This guy elevates it and says, man, this is, you're right, Jesus, this is way more important, which at this point, he's probably uh, distancing himself from the other religious leaders who, who would have been pretty upset about this statement. And then I think Jesus in that moment, he's, he's kind of, like his eyes light up. And I, I just want you to imagine there's a crowd around him. I don't know if this is actually how it happened, but I imagine Jesus kind of leaning in just to that one guy for a moment. And, and, he, and here's what we see right after that. He says, when Jesus saw how this guy answered, he said, you, you're not far. You're not far from the kingdom of God. You're not far from what I came to bring, which means that the kingdom of God is not far from you. Over the next few weeks, we're going to be having a conversation around a true story that should have never survived the Roman Empire. A story told by a guy named Simon Peter, who is one of Jesus' closest followers and best friends. That after Jesus died and was resurrected, Peter spent the next 30 years of his life telling anyone and everyone he could about Jesus and his story. And you need to understand that as, as Peter tells his story, it's a big deal because it's a pretty embarrassing story. Like Peter is not the hero of this story, but the reason he tells it over and over and over again and eventually it would cost him his life is because his story was connected to an even bigger story, an even more important story, and that is the story of Jesus. And now, as we enter into the, the, the story we're looking at today, we're going to see that, that he's in prison, and he's about 50 years old, and it's quite possible that he won't survive the situation that he's in. He's in prison for his faith, and, it, and it's possible he's not going to make it out alive, and so now he's telling his story one last time. And he's got this guy with him named John Mark, who's been his traveling companion, and so they're both locked up, and they might be in like a, a small house jail, or maybe they're in a, a small cell, or wherever they are, but they're together, and, and you need to understand, for Peter, he's a fisherman, he, he's an un, uneducated man, and so he wouldn't have had the ability uh, uh, to read or write, especially because writing was so expensive in this time period, and so for him to be able to uh, record the story is going to happen through his friend, John Mark, who is with him, and you have to understand, both of them are recognizing, man, that, that Peter's life is on the line that he's about to lose his life for his faith. And so this might be the last chance that they have to write down the whole story, to get the whole picture down. I mean, they've been telling it for 30 years, but now they have a, a chance to document the whole thing. And so as we get into the book of Mark, which is one of the books in the New Testament written by John Mark from the mouth of Peter. As we get into it, you're going to notice that it's kind of chaotic and it's not chronological and it's out of order. And that's because Peter's not a scholar, right? He's not a teacher. He's a fisherman. He's a storyteller. And so as we hear from the mouth of Peter, you're just going to kind of see him go all over the place because it's like John Mark sits down with him and, just, and then Peter just starts to brain dump all of his experiences, everything that he can remember about his time with Jesus on 
earth. And so over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be hearing from the lips of someone who spent three years with Jesus and then spent the next 30 years of their lives telling anyone who would listen. And so for Peter, he starts with the end in mind. And it's kind of interesting because uh, I imagine it goes like this. You're like, you know, I, although I'd like to tell the whole story, I don't know, you know, how long we have here. And so because I might not make it to tomorrow, because, because uh, you know, I might not get to finish the whole story, let me just start with the big picture. Let me start with, with the thing that's most important, and then we'll go backwards from there. And so before we get into the text today, before we look at this eyewitness account from Peter, I, I just want to chat with you for just a second. Like, like listen, if, if you're new to faith or, or if you're, you're curious about faith or if you've walked away from faith and, and maybe you're at a place where you're re-engaging or, or you've never really had an interest in faith, I, I want you to hear me. Over the next couple of weeks, and especially today, please don't hear me reading from the Bible. Because at this point, the Bible didn't exist. There was no Bible at this point. This is Mark documenting the experiences of Peter in the moment before his life is taken at the end of his life. And so there's going to be some times as we are going through these stories and we're listening to, to Peter and his story, you're probably going to, you know, our, our modern sensibilities are going to kind of question, like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, hold on, seriously, Peter, like, you actually believe that happened? You actually believe that, that, that those sequence of events took place? And, and Peter would say, hey, listen, I'm just telling you what I saw. Like, this isn't something that I, you know, grew up uh, um, um, reading about or something that, that I was told about or something that I read about when I was a little kid. This is something that I've seen with my own eyes. And that's why I'm here to tell you. That's why I'm in prison for my faith. It's why I'm not scared for my life. It's why I'm not living in fear. It's why I've spent the last 30 years of my life talking about Jesus. And it's why I can tell you today confidently that God is near because of what Jesus came to do. Peter would say, this is why I've spent the last 30 years of my life doing this. And fast forward, guys, you and me are sitting here having this conversation 2,000 years later from the eyewitness account of one of Jesus' closest friends who didn't believe and then eventually believed and eventually would give his life for his beliefs. And so Mark chapter 1, it's almost like Peter starts off, Mark chapter 1, this is the good news. I don't know how cheery he is as he talks about it in prison, but he says to Mark, this is the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. At which point you might pump the brakes and say, hold on, Peter. Man, we, we're not even 15 words in and I already got some questions. You actually believe that Jesus was the Son of God? Like, are you sure? Are you, are you like, before you give your life for this thing, are you absolutely sure? And Peter would say, guys, listen, I was there. I saw the whole thing. And you know what? I didn't believe for a minute, and then I did believe, and then I unbelieved, and I re-believed. Like, there was a lot of sequences of events, but I was there in the garden that night when they arrested him unjustly, and, and I was the one who resisted. He didn't even resist. I pulled out my sword and chopped a dude's ear off, and Jesus put it back on and said, don't worry about it. And I was like, oh, my goodness. Like, I was there, and I saw these things happen. And this isn't because I have to manufacture belief, Peter would say, but it's because I've seen these things with my own eyes. 
And so back to the story, Peter, Peter uh, uh, takes some time, and instead of giving us like all the little details, he gives us that big picture up front. And I want you to think about it for a second. Um, we're going to have a lot of little stories about the life of Jesus, and Peter's going to give us those sporadically as we listen to his story. Um, but Peter's going to start with the big picture because what he wants us to understand is like, yes, there's like little points and little things to learn from Jesus along the way, all these little things that happen, but they're all culminating, and they all fit together like puzzle pieces into one bigger picture. And so it's kind of like Peter flips the, the, the lid on the puzzle box and holds it up to us and says, hey, like, like there's lots of pieces that are going to come together, but I want you to see the big picture, okay? Like, this is where we're going. This is, this is what all of the life of Jesus is getting at right here. And so let me pause and ask you a question. Just for you, I don't know where you're tuning in on your spiritual journey, but what would you say is the big idea of the life of Jesus? What was, like, the good news that Peter is talking about? Like, what is that good news? And maybe if you've been around church for a minute or you've heard some people talk about it or maybe this would be your answer just kind of off the cuff, it'd be something like this. Like, man, the good news is that Jesus died for my sin and that I get to go to heaven one day when I die. That's the good news. And I think if Peter was standing in the room and he heard me give that answer, he'd look at me like I was crazy. Not, not because it's not true, but because that wasn't the point. I think Peter would say, yeah, yeah I mean, it's, it's personal, and, and yes, it's, there's an eternal component, but man, what Jesus came to do, it's so much bigger than that. Like, I'm here to tell you that you can live the rest of your life knowing that God is personal and near, and, and you can have a relationship with him, and you can walk with him. And, and so it's kind of like Peter backs up for a second after the statement, and he, and he says, you know what, okay, so in Mark 114, he, he just goes on and he says, you know what, after John was put in prison, so he kind of reflects back to the story, um, Jesus had just been baptized, and after John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee procla proclaiming that there's that good news again, this good news of God. But you need to understand, like, what Peter's trying to emphasize is Jesus, like, went a lot of places talking about the good news. Here's a map. Let me show you just kind of where Jesus was starting down here. This is where Jesus would have been baptized, close to Jerusalem, and then he would have traveled from Jerusalem all the way up to Galilee. That's a long way. Talking about this good news of God. So over and over again, Jesus is talking about it and talking about it and talking about it and, and sharing this good news. And, and the message over and over again was this. Jesus would say in Mark 1.15, and Peter's just recounting, he says, the time has come. Like, like, it's finally here. Like, the whole world has been waiting for this. They didn't even know they were waiting for it, but the whole world has been waiting for this. The kingdom of God has come near. And, and, and that might be confusing to you because it was confusing to Peter. And when he first heard that the kingdom of God, like, what does that mean? The best way to understand that is, like, God's kingship, God's rule. Like, the, the kingdom of God is near because the king is near. And, and I think Peter, like, when he first would have heard this, he, he'd probably tell us, like, I, I was confused. Like, I was like, huh? Like, what do you mean the kingdom of God is here? Like, like, Rome is here? Like, the rule and reign and kingdom of Rome is here, but I don't see any any kingdom of God rolling in and taking care of stuff. And, and what Peter would later learn is that the kingdom that Jesus was talking about and the good news that Jesus was talking about was this kingdom without, without geography, this kingdom without borders, this kingdom without walls. It was a kingdom of the heart. That Jesus was introducing a new kingdom of conscience. It was a kingdom of the heart, a kingdom of conscience. And it was informed by the teachings of a king who came to change everything. And I think Peter would tell us, if we could sit down, he'd say, you know, we would sit with Jesus and we would hear him teach and we would just kind of, we were like, what? 
huh? Like, what are you talking about? And we would just be confused at times because he was a different kind of king introducing a different kind of kingdom. And, and, and this kingdom would have the priority and the foundation of loving God and loving people. And the introduction of this kingdom would be punctuated by the death of that king. That this king would give his life for his subjects instead of expecting his subjects to give their lives for him. This was the good news. And Peter heard Jesus talk about it over and over again. But this good news, it, it, it had a requirement. It, it had a response that, that as Jesus shared it, he was inviting his listeners to respond. And, and before I give you the next phrase that Peter gives us, I want you to understand, like, Jesus gives us these two imperatives. They're, they're two commands, two calls to action. But there's a challenge for you and I. As Westerners who are leaning into this conversation and listening, um, we, we kind of, I think we have a tendency to want to show up as tourists in the life of Jesus. Like, no matter where you are in your spiritual journey, it's easy to show up and say, man, I'm here for the high points. I'm here for, like, the overall picture and the high points. But Peter would say, hey, listen, just, just so you know, I'm not a tour guide. <laughs> okay, I'm not a tour guide, and, and Jesus is not inviting you to be a tourist. But rather, he's inviting you to be a resident or he's inviting you to be a citizen of this new kingdom. And therefore, there, there's some invitation and expectation that comes along with it. And here's what Jesus invites us to do. He says, the time has come. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. To which all of us are immediately offended. <laughs> because when we hear the word repent, we hear the guy on the street corner with the crazy signs and the Turner burn and the you shall not pass and the, you know, microwave or, or get saved. I mean, I mean, right, we all automatically hear these weird, crazy things. But I need you to understand, like, that's not the, the, the meaning of this word. It's, it's not meant to be up in your face, but rather it's an invitation literally to change the way that you think. That Jesus is inviting us to this new kingdom with a new way of thinking to change the direction of our lives and the direction of our, our, our thinking that we would turn to this new king and this new kingdom and embrace this new way of viewing God and viewing one another and viewing ourselves. That, that this new king is introducing a new kingdom and a new way of life. And so repenting literally means to change the way that we think. So everyone that Jesus is talking to, he's inviting them to adopt a new worldview. And then he says, believe. This word believe in the Greek, it's pistuo. It means to entrust yourself to, to fully surrender and immerse yourself and to give yourself over to a new worldview and new rules led by a new king. It's believing and trusting in this new king. And Peter would say, this is the good news that Jesus came to bring, that he's bringing a new kingdom and that God was going to be near. And we enter by repenting and believing. But before you respond, make sure you get the whole picture. Before you make any decisions, make sure you get the whole picture. And one thing for Peter was clear, that as this brand new kingdom began to be introduced of the heart and of the conscience and the world that they were introduced into, it was very unsettling over and over again for Peter and some of Jesus' close followers because over and over again they were realizing that everyone 
was invited into this new kingdom. And when Jesus said everyone, he meant everyone. And there were some people that Jesus was inviting that they were not fans of being part of their crew. And so I think maybe Mark would pause him right here and say, hey, hey, Peter, hold on. How did all this start? And I think Peter would reflect and say, oh, yeah. When Jesus got to Galilee, me and my brother were fishing, and Jesus walked right up to us. And he said, hey, come follow me. And me and Andrew, we just dropped our nets, and we followed Jesus. And then we kept walking with Jesus, and then we ran into our buddies James and John who were fishing with their dad. And Jesus looked at them and said, hey, come and follow me. And they dropped their nets, and we all just started following Jesus. It was crazy. And, and this guy was amazing, and we start following him, and then one day we went up to Capernaum, and, and this was like the, their big metropolitan city. It wasn't a very big town. Everybody kind of knew everybody. This is where the synagogue was. This was probably everyone's synagogue around the region of Galilee, uh, I think really small rural towns around the area. And so they get to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath had came, Jesus went into the synagogue, and he began to teach. And so they kind of roll up four deep with Jesus, and he's the new teacher in town, and so he probably had the honor of teaching that day. But here's what Peter remembers. He says that the people were amazed at his teaching. And Peter would say, listen, we, we grew up listening to Torah our whole lives. We'd heard this a thousand times. We had most of this stuff memorized. But then when Jesus opened his mouth, everyone, everyone was amazed because he taught them as one who had authority, as a new king, with a different kind of kingdom, not as the teachers of the law. And this is where you and I are going to pick up our story next week. But here's my question for you. What kind of religious background, just as we reflect on, on the today's conversation, what kind of religious background do you have or have you been exposed to or have you seen from afar? You see, Peter spent time with Jesus for three years, and then he spent the next 30 years of his life telling everyone that he could. And I think Peter would emphasize and have you and I know that his version of faith, his version of following Jesus, it was good news. It was absolutely, emphatically good news. And I think he would ask the question today, and we can ask the question of ourselves, that if you and I have ever been exposed to anything that is not good news, if we've ever been exposed to a version that was less than good news, Peter would probably say that you and I have come up against the wrong version. That what he came to tell us is not something that he heard about something that he experienced. And the reason that this is such good news, this new king and this new kingdom and this new way of relating to God and the world is because God came near, which means we're not far. And if you have doubts, Peter would say, welcome to the club. Because, man, I had some doubts. If you've walked away, Peter would say, welcome to the club. Because <laughs> I did more than walk away. I, I denied that I ever even knew the guy. If you've had negative experiences and challenges and struggles, Peter would say, you're not alone. But the question for you and I today, no matter where we are on our faith journey, 
is are we willing, will we be willing to turn in that direction and believe? To jump both feet in, to surrender ourselves to the good news that Jesus came to bring. So let me give you a couple of things to reflect on as we wrap up our time. What will it look like or what would it look like this week to love God and love people? What does it look like for you this week to love God and love people? That might mean spending time with God if you're already a follower of Jesus, prioritizing that relationship. That might mean engaging in your city group. That might mean loving your neighbors. It might mean a phone call. It might mean a word of encouragement. It might mean reaching out to someone who's disconnected from any kind of faith and just loving them where they are. What does it look like for you this week? Second thing is this. Is is there anything about your version of faith that is not good news? And lastly, who has God put in your life that is not good? And how are you and I going to love them this week? And maybe on the other side of that coin and conversation, you would find yourself in a position where you're not a follower of Jesus, and, and, and maybe you would think to yourself today, you know what, maybe I'm not that far. And friends, I want you to know, you're not far because Jesus came near. We don't have to go to him, but rather he came all the way to us. That he made a way for us to have a relationship with God. Not that we have to manufacture, not that we have to earn, not that we have to maintain, but that we respond to because of the incredible love of God for us. We love him back. We believe, we jump in both feet. And the overflow of the love of God for us changes the way we love others. And maybe for the first time today, you're ready to take a step in that direction and say, Jesus, man, I want to adopt your worldview. I want to believe what you're putting in front of me, and I want to start a relationship with you. And if that's you, man, you can let us know through that digital connection card. You can text the words on the screen. We would love to follow up with you, help you connect in community and take some next steps. No matter where you are, so grateful that you're tuning in. We'll see you next week.